there, there's some old hymns out there that say, you know, uh, don't fall asleep, stay awake, be ready. I could see a bunch of people over a body, and I, and I could see the red on the floor. There's no way this is real. In the movie, someone always knows what to do. Nobody knew what to do. They were looking at me like, did you just kill our principal? I guess I always wanted to be brave. As a kid, I sure thought I was, wearing my superhero cape around town. And admittedly, it gets a little harder to do that as an adult. But I guess I still hope I'd be ready if bravery were ever required. But it never really is, right? Life and death stuff happens to other people, right? See, that's the thing about trouble. It can find anyone. And if it finds you, will you be ready? From the Alliance for Catholic Education, welcome to Spaces, stories about the unexpected things that happen to you and around you, shared through a Catholic lens. I'm Audrey Scott. In today's space, we visit the intersection of two lives, Mike D'Amico's and Luke Heinemann's. Both, if not for a sliding door or two, and a well-packed cape would look very different right now. That particular day, it had been hot for weeks. You know, summer still hadn't ended here, even though it was September. We don't have air conditioning in the school. Just slow, muggy, kind of, everyone's just feeling like, ugh, kind of day. You know, it's funny, I was just reading Shakespeare with um, Romeo and Juliet with my eighth grade class, and there's a line from Act 3, Scene 1, you know, Ben Foley and Mercutio walking around, and Ben Foley's like, we gotta get out of here. These hot days make mad blood boil. Something could happen on this kind of day. I came out here a little bit earlier because Mr. D'Amico wanted to meet me and show me around the school before we started on, like, the 15th. That's Luke Heinemann. He grew up in Lincoln, Rhode Island, and went to Boston College for his undergraduate degree. He just finished his final year of the Alliance for Catholic Education's two-year graduate program, Cohort 24. He was assigned to Peoria for his second year, sliding door number one. First day of the new post, he meets Mr. Mike D'Amico, principal, St. Edward Catholic School in Chillicothe, Illinois. And so I come in in the morning, you know, walking to the school, walking to the office. He's in there, um, and he's got this presence. I've talked to him on the phone a few times, but this is the first time I'm actually seeing him. Real friendly, you know, chipper, full of energy, a cup of coffee in his hand. I'm like, how are you this awake already in the morning? It's not even a school day. You don't have to pretend to be this awake. But um, he's excited to meet me. I notice right away he's got this big kind of mustache sign in his office door. That's just so funny. I mean, he's obviously got that big fluffy mustache, too. He loves rocking that thing. Yeah, I've had mutton chops, I've had goatees, I've had uh, the handlebar mustaches, I've had full beard. That's Mr. D'Amico, or Mike to his friends, to which is just about comb, everyone. The comb mustache, and um, always just comes back to that. It's, it was black, now it's white. So that makes it, I think, a little bit more pronounced, but that's okay, I love it, it's good. Mike has dedicated his life to education. Well, I at first I didn't want to I didn't want to teach. Um, I always had ambitions in college to be a, a performer, a professional player, because I play trumpet by by trade, and uh, 
I didn't really have my sights set on teaching until I student taught. And when I got in front of a concert band for the first time, it was like the shades went open and I was just hit. And I thought, that's, that's what I want to do. And I have a lot of fun with the kids. And um, I would always hold them to a very high standard, but I was very open and honest with them and uh, would always develop a very good relationship with them. And, and I've had a blast. I asked Mike what his first impression of Luke was. Very, very intelligent man. Um, very, very concerned about students and doing a great job and giving them everything they need to have. He doesn't leave any stone unturned. When he walked in here, I said, oh, by the way, you have to do the spelling bee. You're the student council president. You have a canned food drive going on, and you have to do this, 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 and this. Okay. I mean, he had templates all over the place. He was ready to go. He's a gift to education. It did not take long for me to realize that he's really the backbone of this school and this community. And, you know, I've never seen any kids love their principal as much as these kids love this principal. Okay, now you show these people right now. Point to the best principal in the world. The kids obviously point to Mike, and he loves it. <laughs> awesome. We do that, too. <laughs> Great job, you guys. Love you to death. Okay. <laughs> Mike and Luke have only known each other for about three weeks when the first school break rolls around. Sliding door number two. So what, what's the holiday? It's, it's Labor Day weekend, right, in September? So I was away. I'd taken that Monday or Tuesday off or whatever to travel back. So I'm back the day after all that. So it's... September 5th. It was a Wednesday. It started like any other normal day. I usually get up about 4.30 in the morning and maybe do a crossword puzzle, make some coffee, that kind of thing. Head into school, everything was fine there, normal. Yeah, I'm just coming off longer weekend. I had a sub day yesterday, so I just figured this will be a Wednesday kind of review, check in. I'm still getting over my traveling. I'm, I didn't get in until the night before, so I'm really tired. I just thought it would be an easy review day, then we'll get right back to actual work on Thursday. That particular day, our eighth grade class had to go to, there's a nursing home in town that our pastor does a mass uh, for the residents once a month. So I drove separately. I remember getting there. I remember going through the mass. I remember coming back. I vaguely remember getting a cup of coffee. Gone through the morning, had our lunch break, and I'm back in my room at around 12, 15. Uh, I'm up there trying to get myself to stay awake and grade something because I'll be getting the kids back in about 15 more minutes. I usually help out keeping the kids quiet, eat, that kind of thing, and then get the classes changed and all that. And um, right around 12.30, I was sitting in the cafeteria with the junior high, and that's when I went down. I hear these, you know, footsteps coming up the stairs and kid, you know, footsteps running down the hallway and I can tell they're my kids because I can hear their voices. I've never seen that look on a kid's face before. They're holding their heads because they were all in the room with him when that happened. They're all shouting this to me at once. Mr. Heineman, Mr. Heineman, Mr. D'Amico fell over in the cafeteria and he's not moving and nobody knows what to do and it's really scary and he's not breathing. Just then, a woman from the cafeteria runs up the stairs. Does anybody know CPR? Is anybody CPR certified? 
and she runs right up to us and and I just said well I, I'm certified so she goes we need you downstairs in the cafeteria right now I bolt I run right down there um, and run right around the corner I don't even know what I'm thinking like this this just feels like something that's not happening right now you know there's no way there's there's got to be something you know maybe it's a drill I actually thought that maybe it's just a drill now I'm running into the cafeteria and Mr. D'Amico's face down on the floor there. I've, I've never seen a scene like this. There's there are all these adults everywhere, all these other teachers and people working in the cafeteria and like on their knees and leg, you know, trying to you know check them. And and there's a lot of noise. And people are like you know crying. Um, and Mr. D'Amico's lying face down. His head is in like literally a pool of blood because he hit his head, I guess, when he was going down running into that scene was like this is real life and it doesn't feel like real life right now but you know all I could tell myself was you know don't think about it you don't don't just you can think about it later you have the, my permission to think about it later and I don't I didn't I just think I felt like numb when I walked in there like there's no way this is real kind of thing just very it was so surreal but at the same time like the most real thing I've ever felt during ACE's summer courses, the second-year students are given CPR training before they graduate. Sliding door number three. You know, I, I was talking before about how, you know, too, they made us do that CPR training too much, too rigorous, you know, too many, you know, it's doing the same thing over and over again. But if, thank goodness they did because I remembered every single step, you know. It's like, okay, first step is survey the scene. <laughs> well, I've surveyed the scene and this is like something out of a war movie. Uh, so, okay, quick, 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 step two, step two, uh, check for a response. So I go up to Mr. D'Amico and I go, okay, what are they doing? Those like silly videos and like, okay, poke his, you know, Mr. D'Amico, you know, I don't hear anything, you know, tap the shoulder, Mr. D'Amico. And he kind of lets out like a faint, like, like, uh, uh, like a groan, like, okay, I don't know what to count, you know, what that counts, uh, calls, uh, counts, uh, is that a response? Doesn't sound like one. So we flip him over, um, and... I'm trying to feel for a breath, you know, fingers under the nose, no breath and nothing coming out of the mouth. And so, you know, the one lady's like, you have to do the compressions right now. And I'm internally, I'm like, okay, I don't remember how to do the compressions. Uh, you know, something with your hands. I don't remember what, so I figure, you know what, any compression is better than no compression. So I just kind of put my hands together and start, you know, hitting what I think is the right spot. Luckily, thank God, after like five compressions, you know, I got like a gasping for breath kind of wheezing and he's got a very raspy gaspy or gaspy gasping wheezing breath coming in so the secretary debbie was already on the phone with 911 because before i started doing compressions i remember that I'm like does anyone call 911 okay debbie is all right and i said somebody get me the aed now, that was the wrong thing to do i should have pointed at someone and told them to go get it i've been kicking myself for that ever since but luckily becky ran and got it right away with the sixth grade teacher because she ran down too with us an aed or automated external defibrillator is used to help those experiencing sudden cardiac arrest. It's a sophisticated yet easy to use medical device that can analyze the heart's rhythm and if necessary, deliver an electrical shock to help the heart reestablish an effective rhythm. Um, so while she's getting the AED, I'm doing the compressions, he starts giving me the raspy breath again. So I'm like, okay, I don't think I need to do mouth to mouth because I see a breath coming in. I don't remember if that's a thing or not. I had already gotten someone to get me a paper towel too so I could like get the blood off of his lips in case I needed to do mouth to mouth. But um, he was breathing so I figured, all right, I should focus on just getting this AED thing going because at that point they'd brought it over. 
because this thing will tell me what I need to do if I need to do anything else. Maybe he's okay. Well, he doesn't look okay, but maybe he is, but this thing will tell me. So I open the AED thing up and, you know, it's saying, oh, remain calm. I go, okay, that's not helping me right now. <laughs> so take the pads out. And oh, I remember in the training, it was so easy in the training. You had the AED there, you open it up and the pads are ready to go. But it wasn't like that with this one because you open it up and they're like in a thing and you have to rip them open. And, you know, I'm like, he's gasping for breath. I'm trying to rip this thing open. I figure I, I kind of give up, take a break to unbutton his shirt because I know I'll need to do that later anyway. Then go back to trying to rip this thing open. And I can feel my hand shaking as I'm doing it. Um, I eventually do rip the stinking things open and get the pads out. And luckily by then, another first responder had shown up and he came running in and started doing compressions on him. I'm like, oh, thank God, someone who knows what they're doing. So then we get the pads on him, um, and he's, nobody touch him, nobody touch him. So it's scanning. And while this is all going on, Mr. D'Amico's wife also works as a specialist here. And at the, right around this time, when I was getting the AED set up, she came onto the scene too. And she's in hysterics and right behind me too. And I'm like, I can't even think about that right now. They just, I remember they told us that in the training, that one thing they could never simulate in a scene like this is just the noise and the emotions. And they said that, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm sure that's awful. But when you're there and these are your co-workers and your co-workers' husbands and you, you just, I couldn't let myself think about it. You know, just don't, just block it out, block it out, block it out, focus on your steps from the training. And so the thing's scanning, then it says shock advised. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So, you know, there's like half a second where I almost don't want to press it. Cause like, what if, if you know, the shock kills them or something, you know, just do what the stinking machine says. So I hit the shock button. And Mr. D'Amico kind of, his body like, you know, thuds against the floor. That was terrifying to see. Um, then it says, you know, don't, and I almost want to like give him a pat on the back almost, but you know, the guy's like, nobody touch him, nobody touch him. Cause it's got a scan now. And I said, scanning and, you know, keep doing compressions. So the other guy kept going back to doing compressions. Right around that time, um, the actual ambulance came and people came in with a gurney to like actually put them up and take them away. This all might have transpired in maybe three, four minutes, if that. It, I mean, I keep getting the order of events sometimes mixed up. When I go back to look at it, I have to kind of really think about what happened before. I, it just, everything went by so quickly. And I woke up three days later on a Saturday. My family was there. And I heard a voice in my right ear, and they said, Mike, you're at St. Francis Hospital, and you had a heart attack. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I, am I in any pain? That's what I wanted to know. So I was laying there, and I go, no, I'm not in any pain. I feel okay. All right, let's go. Let's get up and let's go home. You know, this is fine. We're all good. And then to see everybody standing there I and it, once they heard me talk a little bit I think they took a big sigh of relief big breath then then obviously then all the everybody came up and hugs and kisses and tears and the first thing I did was I asked if Luke was home and he lives right by that hospital so he came up and um, of course my daughter filmed that so uh, I sat there and I I just started crying and I go, you saved my life. And I gave him a big hug and uh, uh, she goes, I'm, I'm just gonna put it on my private Facebook page. Well, she's friends with 8 million people. So it goes all over the world. 
So the bishop picked up on it, the, the Catholic school's office picked up on it, and uh, that's okay. People need to see that, and if it's just, I, I still can't, I still can't wrap my brain around it, and I just thank God that uh, there's, I'm still in the plan, and I'm still here to execute that plan. If I have a guardian angel, it worked through Luke, and I will forever be indebted to that man.